Welcome to Public Narrative, A Word, with Jamira Alexander. I'm your host, Jamira Alexander, President and Executive Director of Public Narrative, a community media resource nonprofit based right here in Chicago that champions narrative change through workshops, training, programming, and research. Building more authentic relationships between media makers, nonprofits, and you, the community. A word is the chance to bring different guests on the show that can help us better understand some of the pertinent issues our communities face when it comes to public safety, education, and health. The U.S. Supreme Court ruling this summer to end affirmative action in higher education has many of today's college hopefuls experiencing a different college admissions landscape. That hasn't stopped organizations and even some schools around the country from rallying resources to support the college dream for many people of color disheartened by the court's ruling. In fact, some groups are taking action to ensure students of color can still fulfill their higher education journey, which can already be a steep enough battle. Joining me today to discuss college admissions amid the Supreme Court's affirmative action decision is Jeff Beckham Jr., CEO of Chicago Scholars and former Chicago Scholars participant and George Washington University graduate, Kiara Pearson. We'll be right back with more from Jeff and Kiara and to get into a word. Hi, I'm Connie Lindsay. And I'm Anna Valencia. Join us on Joy in the Breakthrough, a podcast where we'll be talking to a wide range of leaders from different generations and backgrounds who have found power in being broken open. Tune in every week on CanTV Channel 19, streaming on CanTV.org and on the new CanTV Plus app. Welcome back to Public Narrative, A Word. Jeff and Kiara, thank you for joining me today. Jeff, walk us through Chicago Scholars' mission. Yeah, Chicago Scholars' mission is to uniquely select, train, and mentor academically ambitious students who come from under-resourced communities to complete college and become the next generation of leaders for our city and for our country. Excellent. And Kiara, you're a former participant with Chicago Scholars. Give us a sense of what your experience was. So I started off in Chicago Scholars in 2018 when I was a junior. I That summer, I think I started my college application, started my personal statements, and then I was already applying for colleges and stuff, I wanna say around September. I had already submitted all of my college applications September 30th. My school didn't start until, or the deadline at my high school wasn't until like October or like later on in the fall, but I had already submitted all of my applications and I was getting ready to interview with a few of the schools that I had applied to um, at the on-site admissions. So I also was an ambassador. Um, what else did I do with Chicago Scholars? I went to college, still was involved with Chicago Scholars because I was a mentor on my campus. I was also involved with my liaison, my personal mentor that Chicago Scholars offered to me. So I had a student mentor from Chicago Scholars. And then I had like another person who was a part of, I think admissions or like student life who I was able to go to. And then also during that time period, I was interning. So now I've graduated still kind of involved with Chicago Scholars. Yes. I want to be a mentor soon, but now I'm just a teacher in Chicago. So paying it forward, doing what Chicago Scholars mission entails. Excellent, excellent. And what school do you teach at? I work at the University of Chicago Woodline. I teach ninth grade ELA. Beautiful, beautiful. Now have you all, have your paths crossed while you were both at Chicago Scholars? I would say a few times. Oh yeah, more than a few. Yeah. Um, I think the first time when, I, probably at your onsite, I remember meeting you and your vibrant spirit, your energy, uh, which has always been infectious. And then, of course, she interned for us uh, in the development department, which runs under mm -hmm. my vertical. So I've always had the opportunity to 
like see her brilliance show up. She's written for us. Um, you know, have she has of course a great media presence. You yes. can see it. Uh, that she's been training in that space. So she even was like our correspondent, interview correspondent mm -hmm. for our website. And so, yeah, you've done uh, more than we ever could have imagined to support the organization while you were in school, which just speaks to like the kinds of young people we have the pleasure to be able to support. Yeah. Now, in light of the recent Supreme Court decision to overturn affirmative action in college admissions, how has the community been responding to that? Yeah, our college partners have stood in the gap. I mean, they have still to this day, they're taking risk, right? Mm -hmm. uh, when SCOTUS you know, gutted affirmative action in higher ed and removed race as an admissions criteria, colleges had an opportunity to tuck tail, to do what some schools did, right? And almost immediately eliminate race-based scholarships and opportunities for students of color. Uh, but many, many, many of our colleges saw this coming, mm -hmm. and so many of them were pre prepared. They have created scholarship opportunities for students of color, not um, solely based on race, but they've done it based on merit. They've been able to build programming that um, tends to lead to the ideals of ideals of alumni on their campus. And so our college partners are standing up. Uh, I was actually just at Washington University mm -hmm. and their response has been, okay, well, we're going to eliminate um, any, they're actually doing full demonstrated need for every student on their campus. Mm -hmm. So no loans for anyone. If you get into WashU, They'll give you a financial aid package and make sure that you can afford to go there. And so we're seeing a lot of colleges step up. We actually had a college town hall where we brought our partners in to hear about what they were going through. And you would imagine uh, from a, a mission standpoint, so many of them were worried, scared, confused, um, really trying to deal with and understand what yeah. this is going to look like. And they're still figuring it out. Some of them are still trying to like, because we don't fully know how this will fully take shape yet, mm -hmm. right? I think. We'll see this year and then we'll be able to continue to build supports and things for young people coming in that the following year. So, mm -hmm. uh, but many have said, hey, we're, we're here, we're gonna partner, we're still partnering with Chicago Scholars. We're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. Now, Kiara, you participated with Chicago Scholars, you interned, and thankfully we don't have to think about what your life would be like if Chicago Scholars wasn't around. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine, just give us a sense of your story and like in what ways the program helped you? And if it wasn't around, what, you know, what, what path you may have taken? So I know firsthand, I just like with standardized test scores and SAT and ACT, like things like that, my school didn't really have the resources or the funding to really support me in preparing for those exams. So I don't think I would have had the opportunity to get admitted into the schools that I was admitted to had I not been able to interview with the schools, mm -hmm. had I not had that one-on-one -on -one personal attention, like getting my, my college applications and things like that together. Um, also financially, I feel like Chicago Scholars definitely did support me. By me attending one of the Platinum Partner Schools, which was George Washington University in Washington, mm -hmm. D.C., um, that school met my full financial need. I never had any financial Beautiful. issues. I never had to make a phone call to financial aid, anything like that. They actually knew me firsthand, Kiara Monet Pearson. Beautiful. I never had any issues. I never had to go to Chicago Scholars for any financial issues, even though that was offered to me. I never needed it. That's beautiful. Now, Jeff, help me understand, like, how are you all continuing to lead the charge, really, in, in advocating for education? Because it seems like education is under attack. So how are you all approaching that? Yeah, I mean, we honestly and earnestly believe college changes everything. And so we are continuing to be a voice for our college partners and a voice for our young people uh, in the environments and the community ecosystem that we're part of. And so we have 
the unique opportunity to speak to both markets, right? We kind of mm -hmm. sit on both sides of the coin. And we're continuing to tell young people who are first generation and are low income, college still matters. Don't believe the narratives that are out there that mm -hmm. you don't need to go to school. We understand that school is not the pathway for everyone, but it is still in this country the best pathway to move your family from multi-generational poverty to prosperity. And mm -hmm. so we're showing the data, showing young people how to get to school in a way that won't put the burden of debt on their backs. And we're able to do that in a way that feels comfortable and actually also values the identities of young people as well. Uh, on the college partner side, we're able to be a voice for them too. We're mm -hmm. able to tell them what we're hearing from our students directly. We're able to also be a liaison between Chicago Public Schools and our college partners as well, helping our partners understand what's needed in the city in this time. Uh, things have changed since yeah. th the pandemic happened, right? We always talk about before COVID and after COVID, and even the needs of the young people that we have have changed as well. I've seen so many universities stand in a gap and provide mental health resources for mm -hmm. young people, provide financial support for young people, understanding that on this side of the world uh, and where we are now, things are a lot different. A lot of our schools, talking about standardized tests, are, t are test optional and they're staying test mm -hmm. optional. So we've been able to continue to be a voice and a voice of expertise for both our college partners and then also a voice of support for our young people. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to any innovation among your team, you know, and how you all are developing and enhancing? I know you've done some work with the Obama Foundation and their My Brother's Keeper Alliance. Can you speak to innovation throughout your team? Yeah, when I became uh, CEO about three years ago, I went to my board and I asked them, you know, would I have an opportunity to really build new supports for this program? You know, Chicago Scholars has always done a great job of getting young students of color to and through college, mm -hmm. but the one area where we really struggled was getting more black and brown boys in the program. And so uh, our team built out a Young Men of Color program which provides support and resources for young men in our program, but also identified a gap. We looked at the data from CPS and we saw that typically young men of color come in as freshmen and about 80% actually want to go to college. In that sophomore year, we, we see a lot of the, the uh, we start to lose some of the young people mm -hmm. that have desired to go to school, young men that want to go to school. And so we built a sophomore program that mm -hmm. exposes young men of color to college early. We bring mm -hmm. them out to campus. We let them see other scholars and scholar yeah. alum like Yara, so they're able to see that they can uh, be, you know, they can see what they can become, mm -hmm. which is uh, really important. And then we expose them to career opportunities. We actually got to take a group of young men recently to the Chicago Cubs game on HBCU night. And so mm -hmm. you see people walking around proudly mm -hmm. with their Jackson State Grambling jerseys on. And these young men are like, yo, that's pretty cool. Maybe this is something that I can accomplish. And that program uh, in its second year is really developed and designed to make sure that we increase the number of young men of color in our program. Because when we get them in, like I said, we graduate young men of color at the same rate as any other demographic in our program. The challenge is finding them and making sure that they're supported and feel supported in our program. You know, the barriers to college are, are, are enormous. You know, the personal statement, the essay, the financial mm -hmm. part of it. But one of the biggest barriers is the belief and yourself yeah. that you can actually do it. And so what we are doing with this program is making sure that young men in our program know that they can believe in themselves and they have people believing in them as well. Mm -hmm. Now, is there anything that you're doing particularly to target first-generation college students? Yeah, so, I mean, our program is designed for first-gen and or low-income. So it is the kind of, kind of crown uh, component of our mission. Uh, we work with a lot of partners, community-based organizations who 
are directly in front of first generation students and students from low income mm -hmm. families. And the event uh, that was mentioned earlier, our on-site college and admissions forum is a prime example of that. Mm -hmm. Every year we bring in close to 140 colleges, our 550 to 600 students, and another two to 300 from community-based organizations. On that day, you have high school seniors interviewing in October, early October to get into school. It's not mm -hmm. a traditional college fair. Last year, we had 3,300 interviews conducted by 750 students and $80 million in merit aid was given out in one mm, day. And wow. so we're continuing to push that event as an opportunity as well, where you may not be in our core program, but you're still a partner with us and you can be. So organizations every year like Polished Pebbles and Ladies of Virtue and Kappa League and Lincoln Limited Scholars and so many others are able to bring students to our on-site admissions forum and they're able to have their students in their program meet schools, get into school very early. It's one of the, the pro signature events, but it's also in the country, probably the earliest admissions event that happens yeah. in the U.S. Yeah. Now, Kiara, it's been many, many years since I was an undergrad. So remind me of what undergrad was like. Share, share your experience as much as you can, <laughs> as much as you like. I feel like undergrad was interesting only because the pandemic. That's the first thing I'm thinking of. My sophomore year was like kind of like, well, let me not say my whole sophomore year, but like half of my sophomore year was taken away from me because of the pandemic. So like having to be in my, my bedroom at home, which is not, which was not really conducive mm -hmm. to my education and my learning environment, having to be doing like my classes on Zoom for my bedroom, that's the first thing I think of, which wasn't a good, wasn't on a good side. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I feel like college, I was able to just be a student. I didn't really mm -hmm. have to worry. Like as a first income, low first first generation, low income college student, I didn't really have to worry about like finances. The only thing I really had to worry about was my, my own mental health. Mm -hmm. I never really had to worry about finances. Excellent. I didn't really have to worry about academics as much because I know Chicago Scholars was also on top of me. My liaison that Chicago Scholars offered me at GW from the student life office, they were always on top of me. I knew if I needed anything, I could go directly to them. And I was able to do whatever I wanted to do. But, well, I want to say, main, I wouldn't say mainly because of Chicago Scholars, but Chicago Scholars definitely was my support and my backbone. Mm -hmm. So, No, that's excellent. So what would you say to students who may be a little, like, concerned about their own collegiate journey, uh, maybe a little nervous about even pursuing a higher education? What would you say to those students? I feel like there's always somebody that you can go to. Mm -hmm. If you have any questions, you can always ask somebody. And you, somebody's always going to know somebody else who can help you out. Mm -hmm. Jeff, how did Chicago Scholars adapt this pioneering spirit? Because it sounds like you equip your students to pioneer and really persevere during different difficult circumstances. Yeah, I think it's just rooted in the fabric and the DNA of the organization. Uh, Chicago Scholars was started 26 years ago, and it was actually started as the merger by uh, four other organizations. So mm -hmm. even in like our infancy, innovation and partnership is kind of how we do things. Mm -hmm. And as the organization has grown over those years, uh, both the previous CEOs, Karen Foley and Dominique Jordan-Turner, kept innovation front of mind and, and really uh, courage to the front mm -hmm. of like how we do things. Um, and I think that I've had the opportunity to really stand on their shoulders and continue to build on that legacy. We recently launched a mobile application that actually takes our curriculum and gamifies it for young people. We're, nice. We built this app called Reach Pathways, and the reason we did it was listening to our young people again we heard that they were over Zooms, they were over emails, and they wanted something that felt more like a video game and less like homework to increase and enhance their learning. Mm -hmm. As we've done this, we realized that this is gonna give us the opportunity to take our curriculum 
and provided not just for city students in Chicago, but any low-income and first-generation student who's high-performing that needs access to the information that's sometimes hidden to students across the country. Uh, it's, it's being built with the same fiber and fabric of that pioneering, innovative spirit that is really uh, in the DNA of Chicago mm -hmm. Scholars. And so we continue to see ways in which we can innovate and get better, and we do that as an organization. But it really is the team. Mm -hmm. uh, we have an amazing team of people that are doing this work, that mm -hmm. care, and their heart is in it because they see college as a way to really change yeah. lives for young people. Yeah. Now, are you all Chicago natives? Yeah. Okay, so so is part of this passion because this is home, like you, you're stewards and you have to be good stewards of home, or where does this passion come from? For me, it's definitely because I'm a native. I tell my students every day my why, why am I a teacher? My teachers made me. I'm great because of them, and I want y'all to be better than me. Mm -hmm. And I let them know mm -hmm. I had the opportunity to go and be in D.C. and work for a news station, do whatever I wanted to do in D.C., but I wanted to come back to Chicago and teach. Yeah, I let them know that that's my why. Yeah, so I just I have to say this, right? So I've known Kiara um, in a whole nother capacity um, when she went to uh, uh, her high school, and I also worked there. And just listening to you talk, watching you, I'm literally near tears to just Aww. watch the growth. I'm so proud of you, sweetheart. Thank you. How about you, Jeff? Like, where's the passion come from? Yeah, I, it's from my family coming from '86 and Sangamon. Both my parents went to Limbloom and they realized the value of education and how it changed their lives. Um, and they always made sure that my sister and I were going to go to college. It was like ingrained in us when yeah. we were little bitty kids. Yeah. And they sacrificed to make sure we had every opportunity. And so in seeing the benefits of that and the benefits that it's had on my life, going to University of Missouri, getting a, a degree in management information systems, working in tech for so long because of the mentors and the people I had beside me and around me, it, it was always something that was pulled in part of me to make sure that I did this work too. Yeah. For a long time, I thought I could do it as a volunteer. I was in the, I'm in the 100 Black Men, I'm Link Unlimited, I was an I, I mentor, mentor, you name it, through my frat. But um, it always put on my heart that that wasn't enough, yeah. that there was more. And in working at Chicago Scholars, uh, I've been able to work alongside people who are also committed to this mission of providing and democratizing uh, access to opportunity, right? Because yeah. we know talent is equally distributed oftentimes in our city. Opportunity isn't. Right. The work we do to do that is, um, like you said, it brings tears and passion mm -hmm. in a way that nothing else does for me. Yeah. Well, thank you both for sharing your thoughts on this very important matter. And thank you for being with us today for uh, the public narrative of work with Jameera Alexander. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Bianca Cotton, host of Behind the Confidence Mail. Tune in Monday at 7.30 p.m. on CanTV19, CanTV.org, and the CanTV Plus app for an engaging discussion about Marlene's journey of surviving sexual violence. What do I do with it now, right? Like, do I tell someone because it happened so long ago? Higher education is not the only option Chicago youth have for pursuing a path forward. However, for those who have chosen higher education as their course, it's most important that they have the tools needed to make it a reality. The Supreme Court's decision to reverse affirmative action for college enrollment ultimately means that Chicago youth aspiring to pursue higher education need unprecedented tools, resources, and strategies for overcoming this hurdle. There are groups and organizations working to take affirmative action, and Chicago Scholars is one of those. 
They're pushing back to ensure not only does Chicago's youth interested in a college education have access to it, but that, that they have the platform for advocating for their future. So how do we reframe the way we think about what we can do to continue seeing equitable opportunities in higher education for black, indigenous, and people of color regardless of the ruling? We connect with groups like Chicago Scholars, creating paths forward for aspiring college students, and we seek out educational institutions who decided to adhere to equitable practices that promise that black, indigenous, and people of color have the enrollment access needed to pursue a life afforded them through higher learning. For first-generation college students, these avenues make all the difference in the world for them and their legacies. For more information about Chicago Scholars, visit chicagoscholars.org and make sure to follow All Things Public Narrative by visiting publicnarrative.org and following us at Public Narrative on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and X, formerly known as Twitter. This has been Public Narrative, a word with Jamira Alexander. See you next time.